and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Ali Deichman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. That's right, and this week we'll be talking about the new Psionic UA that came out and playing with the family. And we'll also be answering a fun little bonus question at the end. Trevor, did you have any games this week? I did not. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are, this is kind of an impromptu episode, listeners. We, we realize, hey, we have no time to record this week. We have to record super early. But a UA came out. Sweet! Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you probably noticed you're listening to this possibly early. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode's coming out on Wednesday because, again, it's an, we're recording early. And mm-hmm. also, we wanted to get it out there before, you know, maybe you went on a trip. Listen to us in the car. Yeah. On the plane. How you doing? Have a nice trip. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I only have one game on Sunday. It was fun. We were on a boat and we had to go through whirlpools and then we had to go through these fish people that were shooting rocks at us. It was intense. Oh, so it was very holiday themed. Yeah, very, very, okay, very yeah, holiday yeah. themed. That's what I think of when I go to the family for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Fish yeah. people shooting at me. <laughs> uh, who, whose game was that? It was Adam's. It was his homebrew game. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I have not played a game since because I'm going to be playing it uh, after this. Oh, naturally. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So let's hop uh, right over into uh, the broadsheets, which there aren't any of because it's the holidays. Yeah. The only one we have is topic number one, which we'll get to Mm -hmm. right after we go to dungeon caping. Yes. Which there is none of. Yeah. So let's get into that first topic. <laughs> the UA was released, God, what, three hours ago? Yeah, it was very sudden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was a complete surprise and a very welcome surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't bring it up on my computer like it should, so it's going to be up on my phone. Yeah. It's about psionics. Yes. Um, a lot of people will be excited about this, but they'll also be begrudgingly uh, avoiding it because they have their own homebrew that they've perfected over the past few Mm -hmm. years Uh, psionics is a thing that's been around forever it feels like yeah i i remember the 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 big old book in fourth edition yeah there was a whole book devoted to that whole single class um but you know it's fourth edition what do you expect yeah um and they did actually release a psionic uh class in fifth edition for ua i think like the first year fifth edition i was unaware of this you told me this just before we recorded and i was surprised i did not Um, know about that i've played with it a few times not me personally like i've been the dm of people Mm -hmm. playing with it and let me tell you it's not fun on this side of the screen with that happening Um, essentially it was learning a whole new magic system to deal with, with the, with the psionic. Yeah. And it was just clunky and it was way overpowered and it was like, mm. <laughs> I, 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 I want to say this before we get into it because this is very much just using the same magic with yeah. a twist. Yeah. However, people that are kind of upset at that the first get go, I just want to bring up like, you know, I, I quote Brandon Sanderson a lot on this, <laughs> on this podcast but one of the things that he talked about when doing with magic systems is if you can just keep one magic system if you instead of like spreading out yeah go deeper and see what you can do with the magic you've already created and i feel like this is a really good way of doing it instead of so like like we'll get we'll get into it but like mage hand plays a big role in this Mm -hmm. and instead of just you know making a new like telekinesis spell like there already is one but you know like a, a lower version of it yeah it's just mage hand you already know mage hand you know how it works just the twist this time is it can be invisible yeah. so it's like the force <laughs> which is a great way to approach D in the first place because we want to keep it simple i mean that's the beauty of 5e in the yeah. first place is it's simple and, and we we went a little bit over it last week with everon where people were upset about dragon marks not having their own system to yeah. it but it was the whole point of simplicity and i feel like this there's only one thing on here that I'm like, mm, okay, but like I feel like they actually nailed how a psionic in fifth edition. That's the important mm-hmm. part. How a psionic in fifth in edition fifth. should feel. Yeah, because if you have how your homebrew is and you believe that it works and it works for you and your table, then by all means ignore this UA and keep playing that homebrew. But yeah. if you're curious about psionics or you played a psionic princess like. 40 years ago in 4th edition, and you're like, you know what, it's time to revisit that. You you, can do that. Did you just say that your sister played 4th edition 40 years ago? (laughs) It feels like 40 years ago when you played 4th edition, but yes. Yeah, as soon as I read that this was coming out, my wife goes, I'm making my psychic princess again. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like this this will be the UA for you to check out. Yeah. Um, So the interesting thing about it, right off the bat, the psionic is not a actual class. Which I think is a really good move. Archetype of 
three possible classes mm-hmm. that you can go through. Um, we're just going to go right from in order that the UA presents it. I think that's the best way we should probably oh, yeah. do this. But um, the first one that they actually go over is the martial archetype for the fighter. Psychic warrior. Mm-hmm. Sounds That does sound like, like uh, a Mortal Kombat splash screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's still fun. Um, pretty much it says awakening to the psionic power within. They're a fighter who augments their physical might with psychically infused weapon strikes, telekinetic lashes, and barriers of mental force. So essentially, you're a fighter, but you also have bonus mind powers. And... You know, just like the rest of the fire stuff, you get this at third level, and mm-hmm. it, it takes place of your other archetype, and it I I think it does a good job of taking that place. So straight out the bat, um, at third level, you can channel your psychic power to magically ar- augment your prowess. When you finish a long rest, you can either augment your defenses or your strikes. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Chosen benefit lasts until you finish a long rest. So this is the day that you mm-hmm. get it. Um, your defenses, when you are a creature you can see within 30 feet, takes damage, you can use a reaction, roll a d10, and reduce that damage by the amount rolled. When you reach 10th, it changes to a d12. That is such a cool ability. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I, I love the the, the shield mar- uh, maneuver where it's like, you, if you're nearby and you have a shield, you can pose disadvantage. Personally, I like this more that it's, like taking damage off yeah which i feel like is almost a better version of it because like regardless i'm gonna at least knock off one of that damage and at lower levels at third level saving someone from even like eight or ten health can Mm -hmm. literally save a wizard's life yes (laughs) yes so it's like that's actually really helpful as far as being like the tank and not just the tank but like the support damage Mm -hmm. just everything that is really helpful i think later on like at 10th level it goes up to a d12 but i feel like later on that might not do not be as good of a thing as yeah especially if you start rolling ones at like 17th level um Mm. the only thing i could really see that being super beneficial is like if you're saving the rogue who's totally who's totally squishy and you're yeah. like, okay, before they uncanny dodge, I want to reduce that damage. Yeah. And so then you reduce it and then you, they reduce that by half. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that works. But otherwise, at 12th level, yeah, you're not going to be worrying about 10 hit points. Yeah. Um, aside from defense, you can also uh, augment your strikes. Once during each of your turns, when you hit a creature, you can also deal 1d4 psychic damage. And when you reach 10th, you can increase it to 1d6. I like that. And I like that it specifically says one attack mm-hmm. or once during your turn. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you're eventually going to be getting a bunch of attacks and everything. And I think it's fair that you get 1d4 extra throughout your time as, you know, 1 through 10. And then yeah. later on you get a d6. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, can you imagine if you get a flame tongue too, where it's like you're rolling like 5d6 of damage mm-hmm. and three of those dice are different? Mm-hmm. Ooh, you're going to need different color dice. That'll be fun. Dice goblin. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, honestly, that feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. Like, considering what other classes get at that time, like, oh, if you're being a champion, then you could crit a little bit better. Your percentage goes up 5%. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, and then you get the um, the battle master stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you get to choose which ones those got. And so I feel like this is appropriate for that. And you yeah. can choose which mode to go for, yeah. too. Uh, the other thing you get at uh, third level is to become a Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, actually, he's not kidding. <laughs> Telekinetic hand. You learn mage hand cantrip. You can cast it without using components, and you can make the spectral hand invisible. And intelligence is your spellcasting ability for this spell. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, considering it, oh, what psionic is, intelligence makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This is gonna be one of them besides Eldritch Knight that I'm like, yep, hundred percent, hundred percent makes sense. That's intelligence. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. But I just love the just the little flavor. It turns invisible, so you mm-hmm. can just use the force. You can just push stuff. You can grab things back to you. you. Can you can everyone at the table can do the force like Luke's theme yeah. as you're carrying something to you. And yeah. <laughs> and I mean you can even flavor this more. You, you as a DM, if you don't like the idea of them being spells, you want them to just be psionic. You could have it so it's never allowed to be visible. It's always yeah. invisible. Yeah, because uh, it specifically does say you can make the hand invisible, yeah. but yeah, no, totally. It could just be entirely your own head doing mm-hmm. this. Um, it's, in the end, it's flavor, and it's 
allowing a more different type of flavor, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, at seventh level, which is called Strength of Mind, as a bonus action, you can telekinetically lash out at a creature you see within 20 feet of you. They have to make a strength saving throw, which is a DC is your intelligence modifier based. And on a failed save, the target takes force damage equal to 2d6 plus your int mod and is moved 15 feet directly toward or away from you, which is your choice. On a save, it takes half damage and isn't moved. And then you can do that a number of times equal to your intelligence mod, which I think is fair. I mean, yeah. all, all of that sounds really cool. So it's like you're pretty much just I mean, honestly, whipping the man closer to you. <laughs> I would even take this without the damage like oh, the yeah. damage is just kind of a cherry on top like again jedi style like you're like oh you're finding the rogue no and you just pull and you just them pull them yeah yeah and like granted you don't like provoke opportunity attacks but that's not the point you want them to be away or you want them yeah. to come closer to you well yeah like and and i can't do like in fallen order where i force pull a scout trooper to me and just impale them but you know <laughs> yeah i mean well you could this is a bonus action Oh, shit, it is. Yeah, it's a bonus action. You could bring them to you, and then for your action, you could just straight up murder the guy. That is... Okay, that with the damage, that's a little... That's a little a lot for me. Because yeah. <laughs> you think about it, what else do fighters do for their bonus action? Attack. Yeah, if yeah. they ha if they use two weapons, right? Yeah. So it's like, aside from that, okay. if you're attacking, you're going to be dealing more with this. Okay. But um, you can only do this a number of times equal to your intelligence mod. Yeah. So that's the so limitation. So like you're looking at like maybe four times a day. Yeah. And so it's like you're not going to be doing this every turn. And if you are, then that's a boss fight. You know, so it's yeah. like worth it. Um, and then at 10th level, you get telekinetic bulwark. Um, when you take the attack action, you can forego one of your attacks to project a bastion of psionic power in a 10-foot radius around yourself. So essentially a 10-foot radius blast. Um, it lasts for a minute or until you are incapacitated. For the duration, you and your allies in the area gain the benefits of half cover and have advantage on strength saving throws. Once you use this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest or until you use your second wind feature. That's a cool yeah. addition in there. I like the concept of using your second wind feature to reset it. Real quick, though, mm -hmm. going back to strength of mind, I just realized there's no size restriction on that pull. You are correct. That's... That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, like, because, like, if there's no size thing, you could theoretically Although pull. I will argue it's a strength save. And things that are bigger generally have, uh, like, plus nine to their yeah. strength. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. And I like that. that yeah. Again, keeping it simple. Yeah. You can try to do it, but yeah. you probably won't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the smaller thing is the smaller their strength score is, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's usually how the pattern is with D&D, but... But yeah, telekinetic uh, bulwark, that is, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm essentially imagining just like uh, almost, uh, what's what's her name? Invisible Woman from Fantastic Four, like the, the shield. Mm -hmm. But things it, can actually go through it a it little makes, bit. It actually makes, again, I, the game I always reference, it makes me think of uh, the Titan in Destiny doing the bubble shield. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm all for that. Love yeah. my bubble titan. And like, I'd love that it just gives benefits of half cover as opposed to they just can't shoot in because that's an actual spell. Yeah. <laughs> so this kind of gives them a variation of a spell that yeah. we already know. Um, but that's the 10th level. And then there's even more, which I just, there's, it's really uh, cool. Agonizing Strikes is at 15th level. Um, when you hit a creature with a weapon, you can deal 2d10 psychic damage to the target and force it to make a constitution saving throw. Unless save succeeds, the target falls prone and it suffers disadvantage on ability checks until the end of its next turn. This feature can be used up to your intelligence modifier. That's pretty cool. I just kind of picture this dude just swinging a sword just over their head like, you get down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, it's falling prone on top of that, which is like, okay, that's, yeah. you know, they, they get knocked down, they'll get back up again. Um, and then, but it also suffers disadvantage and mm -hmm. that's just ability checks, period. So if they try to grapple, if they try to attack, if they do anything crazy like that, it's like, yeah, yeah that actually does quite a lot. Because imposing disadvantage, there's not a lot that you can, that does that. There's like a few, there's a cantrip. I'm trying to think of other spells that do that, but mm -hmm. I, I can't think of too many. Like, I, I think the, the thematically of that is like, you've hit them with so much psychic energy that they can't function for a moment. Yeah. It's literally described as your attacks can channel psychic agony. Mm -hmm. So I, that's pretty neat. Um, at 18th level, so this is when it's like pretty epic level situation. Psychic Dreadnought. The power of your mind suffuses your entire being, making you a nigh-unstoppable force on the battlefield. 
Using your reaction when you take damage, you can give yourself the following benefits for one minute or until you incapacitate it. At the start of each of your turns, you regain 10 hit points. Your walking speed increases by 10 feet, and if you're prone, you can stand up by spending only 5 feet of movement. And that's once per long rest. So, it's just using your reaction when you take damage. Yep. And that's the only trigger that you have to do. So that's really cool that you can just automatically just start buffing yourself in that way. Um, going over the whole class, I imagine it's it's a, it's almost a niche class. Like, if you have a ton of support characters, I feel like this character could get almost overshadowed. Well, like, like you know, Justice Armin, friend of the show, uh, tweeted out after this, was like, I can't wait to make Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, you 100% can with this. Yeah, this is straight up, like, you can easily make a Jedi with this. <laughs> yeah, you, you, give a, you give a fighter this and a uh, Sunblade, Jedi. There it is. Done. Yeah, oh my god. That would be fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, no, I, I think, and the, the, this three option thing shows up a lot through this UA, and I really like that. Well, it's not an option. You could, well, it's just, oh, well, it is, because you get hit with damage and you choose which one to do. I think that's really cool. It's just, it gives you more options to do. Well, this one says you can give yourself the following benefits. So you don't choose any of those last three that you do. So you give yourself the following benefits for one. So you take the damage, use a reaction, then you just have all three of those at the mm -hmm. whole time. Oh, wow. That's crazy. For one minute. So let's see. One minute is 16 rounds. seconds. That's 10 rounds. So you're going to get 100 hit points. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah. a huge regen. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, really good. <laughs> just the hit points alone, mm -hmm. that's really good. Um, yeah. But again, that's 18th level. Yeah. That's I'm, higher than I've even run a game, so yeah. That's totally appropriate leveling at that point. Oh, that's true. I did that, I did that 20th level adventure. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, ah, there's that cost still. The next one is the rogue archetype. Um, it's called the Soul Knife. Mm -hmm. um, this one is a little edgelordy, but I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is cool. It, mm -hmm. um, the The first thing that you get is uh, well, the terrifying or no, not terrifying blade. I skipped over stuff. You get the Soul Knife, <laughs> psychic blade. There we go. Mm -hmm. And this is cool because you get to summon a blade. Yeah, I'm always down for that kind of stuff. I think that stuff is so cool and. It, there is a weird thing in here. So it says that you can uh, use your psychic power to summon a blade in one or both hands. So you can still do the dual wielding yeah. rogue. Uh, while one of your hands is manifesting a blade, you can't hold anything in that hand. Oh, in that hand. I read you there can't you hold anything in the other hand. No, I'm no, just yeah. like, you're just so freaking focused on it. Your hands clenched. Even though there's physically nothing there, you can't hold anything in your hand. Okay. That's yeah. pretty much what it's saying. Then never mind. Ignore what I said before. Um, you can dismiss one or both blades at any time. No action required. Mm -hmm. And they disappear uh, if you are incapacitated. Uh, you can throw them uh, 30 feet for uh, normal, 60 feet for long, and deals 1d6 damage. And if you throw, it disappears after it hits or misses. Uh, or if you don't intend to throw it, it just automatically disappears. So like if somebody disarms you somehow... You... They can't pick up the psychic yeah, weapon. It's just gone. <laughs> um, another cool detail that isn't actually part of this feature description, it's part of the actual soul knife description, is that the psychic blades leave no visible wounds. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. So, like... Oh, I love these UAs because they just make me think of new villains. Exactly. No, it's it's pretty neat. Um yeah, they find, like, pretty much it said, like, oh, Soul Knife, they find easy employment as members of thieves' guilds and usually as assassins um, because they don't leave any wounds behind them. Like, that's terrifying mm -hmm. and neat. Um, but, yeah, third third level, bonus action, you get these blades. Really cool. Mm -hmm. um, another thing at third level. So you can focus your psionic power to give yourself an extraordinary ability. When you finish a long rest, you gain one of the following benefits, which lasts until the next long rest. So if, when you wake up for the day, you choose one of these. Mm -hmm. One of them, you can communicate telepathically with any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. If they can speak at least one language, it can respond to you. So fun fact, you could even talk to your animal companion and they won't respond back to you, but they can hear it. Yeah. Um, you can either increase your walking speed by five feet. Eh, all right. As a rogue, that could be really helpful. Yep. Or your hit point maximum and your current hit points increase by an amount equal to your int mod plus your rogue level. That's awesome. That can get really good at labor mm -hmm. levels. <laughs> um, 
again, this is a secondary int based class. Yeah. Um, so And I don't think we've seen that with the rogue. Did, was the was Arcane the revived? Trickster. Oh yeah, I always forget about Arcane yeah. Trickster. But what, did the revived rogue use intelligence? I don't think it did. Mm, I want to say it used charisma, but I think it did use intelligence mm. because that was like one of those weird ones where it was like, why is it using this modifier? Mm. <laughs> um, so rogues generally don't get anything because they get another ability score until later levels. So it's mm-hmm. like ninth level is when you get the next thing. It's called terrifying blade. Your psychic blades can now stoke terror within a target. Uh, when you damage a creature, you can make him make a wisdom saving throw. Um, and again, the DC is based off your int mod. Uh, on a failed save, he's frightened of you until the start of your next turn. On a successful save, the creature isn't frightened and is immune to it for 24 hours. So it's like a usual frightening effect that Super monsters cool, sometimes though. get. Yeah, but it's it. there's no limit on how many times you can do that um, unless they save. Yeah. So you can do that to an entire like just party of goblins in that room until either none of them are afraid of you or until all of them are afraid of you. Yeah. Um, and it's just when you make damage. Mm-hmm. So it's specific when you make damage with the psychic blade, mm-hmm. but you're going to be using those. Oh yeah, there's you're not going to be using anything else, literally. Well, wait, does the psychic does it say the psychic blade counts as a magical weapon? Mm, I don't think so. That's odd because this whole thing is built around the psychic blade, but if and it even says that it oh well it does one d six psychic it deals damage. psychic damage it doesn't deal slashing or bludgeoning damage that's fair so okay. a lot of creatures that have like oh they have resistance to non magical yeah. bludgeoning you bypass that anyways based on the type of damage you deal okay um, on thirteenth level you get this thing called psychic veil you can <coughs> oh, god dang it you can I'm still sick <laughs> weave uh, yeah I know it's we're getting there we're getting there we're getting past it. <laughs> You can weave a veil of psionic static to mask your physical presence. As an action, you can magically become invisible along with anything you are wearing or carrying for 10 minutes. It ends if you make an attack or if you force a creature to make a saving throw. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your int mod and you regain all uses when you finish a long rest. Um, I like how they described that way better than they did the ranger. Yeah. Remember the ranger? It's like, oh, you can just become invisible. Yeah. There this was no real like, rhyme or reason given to it. This gives a reason why, and I can accept this reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, you create a veil of psionic static. It's like pretty much just that blind spot that everyone has in their eyes where they, they don't see that dot. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, Doctor Who, the, yeah. the necklace tenant had, where it's just, you just, you don't notice them. They're you just there, don't notice. But you just don't notice yeah. them. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that flavoring of it yeah. because it makes sense 100%. And then the 17th uh, rogue feature that you get is called Rend Mind. You can sweep your psychic blade directly through a creature's mind. Mm-hmm. That right there, we're already getting something crazy. As an action, while you have at least one psychic blade manifested, you can force a creature you can see within 30 feet of you, so it could be ranged, to make an int saving throw. If you are hidden from the target, it has disadvantage on top of that. On a failed save, it takes 12d6 psychic damage, and it is stunned until the start of your next turn. On a successful save, the target takes half a damage and isn't stunned. One of your second blades vanishes after using this feature. So you're going to have to use another bonus action mm-hmm. to revamp it back up. But you can do this a number of times per day equal to your intelligence modifier. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. That is the, Before we get into the actual psionic thing, like the thing that I love about this UA and why I love this course for the psionic is it's way more interesting and versatile than just the norm, normal psionic class. Oh, yeah. Like, if you had a psionic class and then tried to give them these subclasses, it'd be like, these are so freaking different, they don't make sense. I'm like, yeah, but when they're with the class, they do. They do, yeah. And something that I really like about the Ren Mind concept is that at that point, you're rolling, like, what, 76 for sneak attack or something Mm -hmm. crazy like that. And so it's an action to do that, but then your bonus action could be your offhand other psychic blade, right? And then you can just go in, stab someone. Sure, you don't get your plus four or five to dex, but hey, you're still going to be doing a ton of D6 damage with sneak attack and the psychic damage. Yeah. I really, I honestly really like that psionic. Like, it's it's great. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't, my brain went dumb there for a second. Yes, I agree. It is, it's mm-hmm. really awesome. Uh, and then after that, we are moving into the actual psionic. Yeah, so again, this is not an actual class. Yes. This is a archetype 
for the wizard. Which I think is totally fine and fair. 100% behind that. Um, like, part of me, I will say, like, if there was any other class I'd argue for, it'd be sorcerer. Yeah, that would be the only one. With some of the flavoring that they explain in the wizard, it's kind of like, it sounds really sorcery. But the thing is, though, there's the things that they have here, there's no room to spend sorcerer points on exactly and then you'd have to give like all new kind of sorcerer options and, and stuff. then we're going building a whole new class yeah. again so wizard i think is a really good option for it yeah it makes the most sense for it um but just hopping right in um essentially they describe it by saying like they channel their magic by focusing their minds by doing so they can transcend their physical bodies adopting forms of pure thought casting spells psionically and perceiving the world with a broader range of senses um just like that Healy Joel Osmond kid. Yeah. <laughs> Going into the second level feature, um, it's called psionic focus. Mm -hmm. You have learned to channel psionic energy through a special object, a focus. You gain the object with this feature, and when your focus is on your person, you gain the following benefits. The object is a spellcasting focus for you. When you roll psychic or force damage for any of your wizard spells, you can reroll any of those damage dice that roll a one, but you have to keep the new roll. I love it. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, if it's the focus is lost, you can magically recreate it by meditating for an hour. Now, there, there's a little box here about the focus, and it's really long, but essentially what it comes down to is like they really want you to have a a story about this focus. Yeah. It's... Like, like they're almost saying like, when you take this archetype, there should be a story about this thing coming to you. The only thing that makes me like weary about it is that they tried really hard to do that for the artificer. Yeah. They tried really hard. They tried to like say, oh, you got to customize it. This is what you are. You got to explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then when it was published, they took like all of that out. Yeah. And they said, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. So it's like having all this in here. It's like pretty much you can sum it up by that first paragraph. It says, every member of the psionics tradition has a story about how the psionic focus came into their life. Consider how you found yours and what form it takes. Like the, the way that they talk about it in here, it makes me think of like Jedi with their kyber crystals. Yeah. Like it's that important. Yeah. So it's like either it came to you when you were a kid or it was passed on to you when you learned of this tradition in the first place or when mm -hmm. you graduated or it just popped up underneath your pillow one night. Figure out how it came to you and figure out what it looks like. Yeah. That's what it's saying to you. It doesn't really give you any, like, options. It gives you some examples, yeah. um, but it doesn't, like, say, oh, you can choose one of these five things. It's like, no, you just choose. Mm -hmm. You want to be a mirror? It can be a mirror. You know, it's like whatever you want it to be, which I think is nice, but I feel like it's going to get lost if they keep this up. Yeah. Um, because it just didn't work with the artificer, and I don't think it's going to work with uh, moving forward. Psionic devotion is after that. Mm -hmm. It's another still second level. Second level, yeah. Um, but uh, this thing is crazy because when you gain this feature, you choose one of the following cantrips: friends, mage hand, or message. You can you know it doesn't count against your known cantrips, and you can cast it without its components. Mm -hmm. As uh, a bonus action. As a bonus action. That's the really big one. Yeah. And then it gets crazier because they're modified. Friends, when you when the spell ends, the target doesn't become hostile to you. Yeah. So I because I'm all like reading that and I'm thinking, wait, does that always happen? And yep. I reread Friends, the spell, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is why the spell is hardly ever picked as a cantrip. Mm -hmm. Because they're automatically hostile towards you at the end of the spell because it's like even if you're just using it to persuade them they're going to take offense that you're trying to control their mind yeah whereas this one they don't care <laughs> uh mage hand like the uh fighter one can be invisible and controlling it is a bonus action that's the other crazy part mm -hmm. uh message and i God, I'd be so tempted to take this one every time. Oh, yeah. You don't need to point towards the target or whisper your message out loud. Which is such a game changer. In my game, they use sending and message a ton. Yeah. Like half the party knows the, the cantrip message. Mm -hmm. And they use it nearly every single session. Yeah. And so it's like, if they were able to do that, there are so many times where I can just imagine. Because my sorcerer has done the 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 spending the sorcery points mm -hmm. to make it so he doesn't have to like, Oh, I don't have to whisper. I can just like casually whisper it under my breath and no one would notice. I'm like, yeah, they don't, mm -hmm. but that, you don't, it's, this is really cool. <laughs> I'm a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to sixth level. 
when you're a this, wizard. This is the one that I'm like, okay, this is uh, this is a little out there for me. Yeah, this is where we feel like this feels like a sorcerer thing, but it's not. It's not even that it feels like a sorcerer thing. Personally, this doesn't feel like a D&D thing. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, it's a six-level feature. It's called Thought Form. Um, I kind of alluded this earlier when I mentioned like the few bullet points that described this, but while you're carrying your psionic focus, you can use a bonus action to magically transform your body into pure psionic energy. The transformation lasts for 10 minutes until you use a bonus action to assume your normal form or when you're incapacitated or you die. Mm-hmm. While in thought form, you're a figure of luminous psychic energy with your psionic focus hovering within. You can, your form can appear as anything you wish, but is obviously magical, is the same size as you, and sheds dim light in a five-foot radius. I'm just imagining a cloud and a little, like, charm in the middle of it floating around now, and that just made me laugh. I pictured that episode of The Simpsons where they thought an alien had come to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any other equipment you are wearing or carrying transforms with you and melds into your thought form. You also gain the following benefits. So you gain both of these. Um, spell casting. When you cast a spell while in thought form, you can cast the spell psionically. If you do so, the spell doesn't require verbal, somatic, or material components that lack a gold cost. So if you're casting a spell that requires a gold cost, you still have to pay it out your psionic bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's psychic resilience. You gain resistance to psychic, bludgeoning, slashing, and all those need to be from non-magical attacks. So if you have someone coming up with you with a plus one sword, you're still going to get stabbed. You can transform using this feature a number of times equal to your int mod, and you regain all uses at a long rest. This, yeah, this is interesting. It's... It's weird. It's weird. Because um, when, I, when I think psionic, I don't think this. You're not invisible, no. So what does pure psionic energy look like? Whatever you want to look like, man. Like, like all the energy in Dragon Ball Z. You are the Super Saiyan without the person there. Like Okay, so did you play Call of Cthulhu, the PS4 game? Not all the way through. Okay, there's a part where you're talking to the essentially psionic embodiment of the big bad that's in mm-hmm. that game. And it takes the form of a loosely shaped humanoid creature. And it's approaching you, and it looks like this just whirlwind is blowing throughout this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm imagining right now. <clears throat> I guess kind of what, like, Sauron looked like in The Hobbit. Yeah. Where there's energy, but, like, around a humanoid shape. Yeah. I don't know about this one. Mm-hmm. It seems weird. Like, Well, th- this is the important thing to note, though, because... So, the spoilers for later. One of the future ones says that it lets it fly so can this move right now or is it could you just walk on the ground as energy you you just walk okay that's weird yeah you're a figure of luminous psychic energy with your psionic focus hovering within that's it can appear as anything you wish but it is obviously magical is the same size as you yeah you you can move around and it lasts for 10 minutes so yeah, I don't know exactly how to explain that one out. The flavor of it isn't really enough for me personally. Um, but carrying on from that six level thing, which by the way, you get it at six level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Um, at 10th level, you get what's called mental discipline. Your mind's power expands to greater heights. When the gain is featured, choose one of the following spells, dominate person, scrying, or telekinesis. You can add the spell to your spellbook, and you can cast it without components, which is really good because some of these are expensive. Um, you can also cast the chosen spell once without expending a spell slot. Yeah. And you can do that once per long rest, essentially. That's pretty neat. I like scry. that. You get a free telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty <clears throat> cool. And it really matches with the idea of you being a psionic yeah. wizard, too. It's like, yeah, you know how to do these spells. Um, and also at 10th level, you get what's called Empowered Psionics, where while you deal psychic or force damage, you can add your int mod to the damage against one of the spell's targets. I like this. I also like that. My favorite things is when you can add magic damage to your magic spells, because that's something that's not normal. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I think the Fire Druid can do that too. And it's like, I, I enjoy those. And then at 14th level, we get what's called Thought Travel. While using your thought form, so that's, again, being in that Mm -hmm. psionic energy bubble. 
<laughs> you can have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. You can hover and you can move through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult to rain. So what's interesting to me is that even though you are this energy thing, you still aren't able to move through things until 14th level. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand that part because like that kind of feels like it should be that way from the beginning. Okay, here, here's the way I think of it. The psychic energy is like air mm-hmm. and the air can't air can't pass through a stone wall. Okay. But when you get to this point, it becomes basically like protons and it can, or neutrons and just move just through stuff. Vibrate yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're the flash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you do end inside an object, uh, you take 1d10 force damage. Um, if you return to your normal form while inside an object, you're shunted and you take a d10 word. force damage for every five feet traveled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shunted is a great word. Um, it also makes me just think of like a video game where like you tried to spawn in the wrong place and it just bounces you out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the cool thing about this UA is that it also came with... Uh, Basically, much it's like basically it's suggested spells for yeah. a scion, where it's just like, hey, you're a wizard, you can take whatever the hell you want, but here's our suggested spells mm-hmm. for what would be psionic. I really appreciate that because, like, when you're going into the, like the Onomancer, for example, yeah, it's like, how do I pick spells that kind of support this class? Yeah, because it's like when you're choosing a Necromancer wizard, it's like, oh, just go through all the Necromancer spells. Yeah, it's like when you're choosing a uh, Enchanting wizard, it's like go through the Enchanter spells. It's like that's easy, but then it's like you go into psionic spells. It's like, oh, well, here's a, a list of wizard spells that fit them. A lot of them make sense, honestly, kind of looking through it. Um, yeah, like catapult, um, arcane yeah. eye. Locate object, yeah. mirror image, uh. phantasmal force, hypnotic pattern, confusion. And it goes all the way up to ninth level with imprisonment, psychic scream. Yes, please. So it's like all those make sense. But they did add some new spells mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to sixth level. Yeah, and these spells appear on the Bard, Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard spell list. Yeah. So, new spells are always fun. Um, I don't think we need to go through every one of them because we'd yeah, be here all night. No. But uh But they're pretty cool, and they are all, you know, psychically charged. Looking at them, I think I've actually seen a couple of these before. Mind Thrust, Psionic Blast, Ego Whip. Ego Whip's just fun to say. Psychic <laughs> Crush. Yeah. Mind sliver. Um, they only go up to sixth level, which I appreciated because yeah. ninth level is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, something that we can go into. Yeah, because all these spells are actually pretty neat. You should kind of take a look through them. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know about implementing them into your game, but if you are going to implement something that's already in your game, like this would probably be a good chance yeah. to do that. I, I think the cool thing about this is that like even if you already have a homebrew psionic, they might be able to just take these, these spells. There. Yeah. Um, there are also new feats yep, with tool. this UA. Yeah. Um, and they honestly work really well with this UA. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so the first one is called telekinetic. You learn to move things with your mind. You gain the following benefits. So you up your int by one to a maximum of 20, mm-hmm. naturally. Um, you learn the mage hand cantrip. You can cast it without verbal or somatic components, and you can make it invisible. So all those things that those classes can do that we talked about earlier... You can do it too. Yeah, you could be a bard that does it. You could be a, you could be a ranger that does it. Anything yeah. you want. And the cool thing is, is that they explain why you use the word telekinetic to describe this feat. As a bonus action, you can try to shove one creature you can see within five feet of the spectral hand created by your mage hand spell. When you do so, the target must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed five feet away from you. I really like this because like, I've had so many players that have wanted to do this. Yeah. Like, oh, can I just use Mage Hand and push them away? I'm like, mm, not really. Now yeah. they can. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's, it's straight up just a Jedi push where you're just like, yeah. you're trying to just push them away from you. And that's all it is. It's just telekinetic. Um, the next one is telepathic. Uh, when you, you awoken the ability to mentally connect with others, you gain the following benefits. Increase your intelligence score by one, and you gain proficiency in one skill of your choice. You get deception, insight, intimidation, or persuasion. And then... The cool part, you can communicate telepathically with any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. It, it kind of, if it understands at least one language, it can respond telepathically. It. Yeah. It. And so it's like, 
I enjoy feats like that where it gives you uh, little insights into this class or archetype that you normally wouldn't get. Well, it, it makes me happy because you know me, I love feats. Oh yeah, no, and me the too. the fact that we're still seeing some some love for, for those, that's yeah. really good. I wasn't going to say feat love because that's just not what I'm <laughs> It's not what we're uh, inviting no. here on this podcast, no. No, no not at all. Stay, <laughs> no, stay, stay back there. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I really for me, like this is kind of... Even though Psionics is not my favorite, like when I heard it was Psionic, I went, ugh, mm-hmm. this is kind of my favorite UA because it's just yeah. got a bit of everything. It almost feels really well built. Yeah. Like it feels balanced. It doesn't feel like it's way overpowered or underpowered at all. Like, it, yeah, I don't like the spectral shiny form. It's kind of weird. That's weird, but, but I feel but like you could be What I'm talking about more is like the layout of it. It's like, all right, we got things for two cla- or for three classes. Mm-hmm. We got some spells and we got some feats. Yeah. So that's a great, like, all-around... Like, Not there's... to mention the spell list specifically tailored for the wizard archetype. Yeah. And it um, it just kind of feels all-around, like, there's there's something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even if it's like, oh, I don't play one of these classes. Well, you can take a feat. Yeah, you can you could still have that Jedi or, mind push. Or it's like, oh, I'm a bard. <laughs> well, you can still use some of these spells. Or you could be a wizard, like, evocation wizard and still have telepathy. Yeah, yeah. Like and you don't, yeah. Blast. yeah. You don't have to be a warlock at first level to get mm-hmm. that anymore. You can just like get telepathy, which is really cool. I I feel like this was a really good one, and yeah. man, I am so excited that they're still putting these out regularly. Oh yeah, me too. Like, like I was almost worried about after they did just that crazy string of UAs that they were gonna put on pause for a bit, but here they are. Yeah, because this is again the second one of the month, isn't it? Mm, I th- the last one they put out was the features. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it was this month. Oh, wow. Well, that was our first topic. It is the Psionic Unearthed Arcana. Um, as always, with this new Arcana, they do have the survey out for the previous one. So if you have been playtesting... do the survey. Please do the survey. Tell them how much you liked, what you didn't like, what yes. you thought could be better, what you thought was way too good. You mm-hmm. know, all that good stuff. Please go out there and check it out. Be, here's, here's a great example for the surveys is look at the artificer mm-hmm. look at where it was look at where it is yeah they changed stuff specifically from what was given back and you know maybe if more people did it that uh our archivist made a made it in there <laughs> <laughs> or maybe enough people did it and it didn't make it in there that's fair so you know it's like your voice matters so go ahead and take a look at the survey we're gonna retweet uh the link to it and all that good stuff from D so you can easily take it out absolutely Moving on, uh, we're going to be looking at our DMs Guild Spotlight of the Week. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be kind of paired up with the concept of playing with maybe just one or two people. But usually with uh, one person, uh, thankfully the new, what's it called? The, uh, Essentials the Kit. Essentials Kit, thank you. Uh, came out with the concept of sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a UA, again, you know. They oh, yeah, good stuff yeah, yeah. come out of it. Um, and it is officially in D&D now with rules and everything. Now, this book is, well, this supplement is called Animal Sidekicks. Uh, it has over like 30 authors in it. And so just huge shout out to all those people and artists and editors that made this happen. Because that is a crazy good amount of people to get this awesome thing in. And we, uh, honestly, we cannot find who put this together. Like we looked for and, who the head person yeah, is, like, yeah. <laughs> even even on the thing, it says from animal sidekick authors. Yeah, like, there they, there's they a are... lot of names on here. Um, but essentially, what animal sidekicks is is it, it's forty beasts and fantastical creatures rated to join your party. A team of thirty three writers, four artists, three editors have joined forces to bring you animal sidekicks, a bestiary that gives anyone and everyone in your party a pet, each with its own stat block and level up table. That's Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's modeled on the sidekick rules found in the Essentials Kit rulebook. These sidekicks from Allosaurus to Wolf are perfect for kids, new players, and the animal lover in us all. So the I've been little, following... The little flying elephant from Descent is on the cover. Yeah, the Hollyfunt is one of the sidekicks you can have. And, and Displacer Beast. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very There's with that. Blink Dog. There's Constrictor Snake. There is a Cradium Rat Swarm. Um, oh my there's god, a Dice goose. Reaction would be so happy if they were still around. <laughs> <laughs> there's a goose, there's an owl bear, there's pseudo dragon, a raven, seahorse. Oh my god. There are so many fun ones in here, and I have just like a couple examples that I want to show out to you because pretty much the way it's set up is they have stat blocks 
ready to go, a full page for you. And they have what they can do, their actions, but then they also have ways to customize it and for you to figure out what your what your little companion is. I love it. For example, uh, the badger. That one's been kind of like showcased on a lot of people's Twitters about being able to spoil it. Um, you know why? Because you don't give a fuck. Exactly. And it's this cute little picture with a splot of yellow behind it because, you know, Hufflepuff Puff. represent. Um, so they... Every single one that I've found so far has come with like uh, personality traits that you can assign your little mm-hmm. your little companion. Um, you could it's a table, really cool. Yeah. Um, and so it says every now and then the badger, and it has different like options. So it's like you got affectionate, creative, bored, hungry, skittish, and comfortable. Bored is every now and then your badger wanders a short distance, returning with a rock or flower in its jaws. That's so fucking adorable. Right? And then um, it says, comfortable. Every now and then, the badger lies on its back and warms its belly in the sun while grunting contently. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You want a badger now, don't you? I want it so bad. <laughs> so, again, they take the concept of doing the sidekick rules, and they actually apply it to every single creature in here. That's fantastic. And so they do all the hard work for you, so you don't have to come up with your own weird sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know when the badger gets to fifth level... I know it has uh, hit points of 39 or 68 plus 12, and I know its proficiency bonus, its size, and tunneler. So it's like all these things are super easy at my fingertips. Is and... there a stat walk for a B for uh, Stephen Colbert? <laughs> there should be. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a super cool supplement, and I recommend everyone should go check it out. Um, it is twelve ninety five, but it has over it has forty creatures with, in there. Well, not just that, but with the amount of people mm-hmm. that put time and effort into it, that's a totally reasonable price. Not to mention, every single page I swear has amazing art in yeah. it too. It's really a well put together book, and it feels really well done. And honestly, hundred percent worth the twelve ninety five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, we'll post a link about that. Oh yeah, as per usual. Mm-hmm. But we'll try to you know tag a few of the authors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, what I'll do, I, I might try and go find some of them and be like, hey, we're gonna do this. Can you like tag everyone else into it so yeah. that everybody can see, so they can get some representation there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's a lot of really awesome people worked on this, and we're, we're happy it's out. Uh, so go check that out. It's on, on, I almost said on difficulty class. Now they're not. They're on DMs Guild. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it is Animal Sidekicks. Literally just that. Just type yep. that in. You'll find it. Twelve ninety five. Totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Go check that one out. Moving on to our uh, next topic of the day, and it's a, it's a little appropriate, given what time of year it is. It's the holidays. It is the holidays, and Are what ready, happens in the holidays? You ready to get fat on that turkey? <laughs> Yeah, that happens a lot. Just yeah. shove, shove some yams in your mouth. Oh, yeah, yams. Oh, my God. Yams. Yams. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you get you get to eat. You also get to meet up with your family. Who... Get is a great word. Yeah. Um, for some people, this is a super awesome time. For some people, they're like, uh... And then some people, they're like, I can't wait to stop hanging out with these people so I can play D&D again. Yep. What if I told you it's possible <laughs> to do both? To play D&D with your family. <laughs> yeah, I'm not just talking about your fun brother-in-law or your sister that you've been playing D&D with since the get-go. I'm talking about your dad. I'm talking about your aunt. You know, it's like, what about your grandma? You know, it's these people that you never considered playing D&D with. Oh my god, I would love to have played D&D with Bonnie. That would have been amazing. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, it's these people that you don't consider right away when you think about playing D&D. And I want to talk about doing that today and the possible ways that you could probably maybe convince your family to give it a shot this season. I do feel like there's two ways you can go about this. It's really like depend on your family. Like one, you could be like, just tell everyone, hey, I'm going to bring D&D. Mm-hmm. Like if you guys want to play like an encounter or a small little thing, because don't, I wouldn't be like, let's play the entirety of the uh, <laughs> freaking Fandolin or the Goblin Cave. Yeah. I would say probably estimate this to be maybe an hour. Yes. Maybe an hour and a half. Maybe just one encounter. Yeah. Just to get people to be like, this is what D&D is. Yeah. Um, Like, you could give them the heads up, or you just show up with a starter box. Just be like, is anyone interested in this? You could just play it off as, this is a board game. Would you guys want to play with me? Yeah. And this is an important part of it. You have to be the DM. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You can't (laughs) pass that off this time around. That would be weird now that i think about that yeah yeah you've got to be able to take the initiative and be the dm in this situation and 
We've talked about playing like with new players before, but this one, you know them already. You know, you should know oh, mostly yeah, everything yeah, yeah. about them and how they tick and how they run. If you understand that your dad doesn't care about doing magic, you know to give him the fighter class. Mm-hmm. If you understand that your mom just wants to be the mom character, give her that healer and make it as easy for her as possible. Mm-hmm. It's like download a few apps. Print out the spell pages. Yeah. If you have them, bust out the spell cards. Make it as easy as possible for them. Like, I've done this a couple times. I actually feel like the Essentials Kit, like, even though I said yeah. it, I wouldn't recommend it for first-time players, I think that would probably be the best because of those damn cards, because of the sidekicks, because of the dice yeah. and the, the screen. Like, like that would probably be the best thing to bring. Just you and your mom for Thanksgiving, the Essentials Kit is beautiful. Yeah. You can spend easily four hours together in that post-turkey coma and be like just hanging out with each other. And she could have that badger companion. Mm-hmm. And you could just be DMing with her through that whole just warning the dwarves in the caves you can go have her fight an ooze or two it's Maybe like the fomorian warriors the fomorian warriors yeah <laughs> it's like you can just have a ton of fun with it and i can't recommend playing with your family more than enough it's mm-hmm. if you're a kid and you're not playing with your parents it's like you're missing out on a fun opportunity or if you're a parents and your kids are playing without you you're missing on a fun opportunity if you've got nephews or nieces Oh my god. Convert them. <laughs> It'll be so much fun. I can't recommend it enough. And you're going to find things that you didn't even realize about your family to begin with. Yeah. Like, sure, your dad didn't really enjoy magic, but he got this really cool magic sword and now he's into the idea. Mm-hmm. And so it's like... Well, well here, let, let, let me tell you a story that I yeah. I know is widespread, but I found out an epilogue to it recently. Ooh, go for it. So it's very well known that Vin Diesel... Yes. Plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, and one of the most infamous stories that he's told is that one day on the set of Chronicles of Riddick, there was a breakdown or something, and they're like, hey, we're not going to be able to film for like five hours. And Vin Diesel goes, cool, busts out D&D books, <laughs> plays with Carl Urban, Judy Dench, and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Now, Dame Judy Dench, fantastic woman, yes. majestic. Yes. <laughs> this woman loved it. <gasps> And took them, took the books to her granddaughters and ran a game for them. Judy Dench DM'd oh a Dungeons and Dragons game for her granddaughters. That makes my heart so happy. Right? <laughs> so, like, that kind of goes to show you that, like, you can't just look at your family and be like, ah, oh, no, they won't want to play D&D. Give it a shot. Yeah. And if you have to, if you're not finding, like, any of the fun essentials kit or anything like that, mm-hmm. kind of, like, suitable... You can make it up. Yeah. You can easily have them go on a turkey hunt. You can have oh them be yeah, out yeah, of town yeah. and be like, you guys need to go on a turkey hunt because that's the town's that competition. The turkey got away. Yeah. And it's like, and you can just easily have them go and they'll play their characters out and try mm-hmm. to find a turkey. And like your uncle who hunts a lot will be like, will say things like, yeah. oh, I want to set up these things. And you'd be like, I never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. And it will bring you new opportunities to think about D&D too. But I, I can't guarantee you. <laughs> that old cough um that <laughs> like if you have kids there the kids might be like oh yeah i want to play that and like all the adults are like oh it's a kid's thing just be like no it's not mm-hmm. come play come come, play. come try it out yeah i mean again you got that that dude bro relative just be like hey uh vin diesel plays and it's all about family <laughs> that is just, just give him, just give him a character that's based on the Rock. He'll be happy. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Number, number one thing that you should definitely do: bring pre-mades. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't 100%. do not make characters. Do not force them through the character creation process. No. Which, on one hand, can be really fun and rewarding. On the other hand, this is a family get together, and a, everyone's already tired. That's a great rewarding thing for the next game. Yes. That's for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> or Hanukkah or whatever you're doing. Um, the next family get together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, bring premates. The most you should have them do is name their characters. Oh yeah, no, that I, I've done that for my dad. Yeah, and he straight up was like, "I'm like, okay, here's this barbarian," and he's like, "Okay, his name is like Sergeant Snufflepuss. Um, he has that sounds like your dad. <laughs> he has uh, OCD, and he gets really angry when things are out of order. That's fantastic. And he made Monk like from the USA show yeah. Monk yeah. as a barbarian in D and D. See, that's great. That's role-playing. You're done. That's awesome. And he's like, yeah, this is him. And I'm like, this is so perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it made me so happy to just play with him. And he was really 
oddly proud of me, which made me feel good too. So it's rewarding in all fronts. Granted, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to clear up that story, that was at the bookstore. Yeah. So like you were running for like 12 people and he was like, <laughs> how did you keep all of that in your head? True. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's not to keep it from it. It is a rewarding experience to play it is. family. And I, I do think that this is something you can easily do with your family. Like even uh, this year when I, when I sat my nephews down, I'm like, mm-hmm. we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Not like some monster quest off brand kids. Version. Yes, exactly. Like we're, we're going to play D and D. And uh, one of my moms came up to me afterwards and she was like, I didn't realize what this game was. Yeah. Like you were teaching them like situational awareness and oh my decision God. making yeah. and all that stuff. So she's like, I like I was just like, would you wanna play? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. <laughs> like I never would have fucking thought that. Mm-hmm. So I I really do think that your family is, you know, I don't know your family, to be fair. Yeah. But I think family is a cool place that you can take D D to and have some fun with. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, Read read the table. Read your family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if if you know you think that playing D and D would make everyone angry, you know maybe don't do it. Yeah. But give it a shot. You that that could be the one where you're like, hey, if I brought this, would anybody be interested? Yeah. Give them a heads up beforehand. Um, and I wanted to ask you something because recently I had to tell my mom what D and D is because she said to me. I don't know what it is. I think you guys just kind of sit around a table and like kill monsters and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I need to like define it in a weird way. Um, How would you tell someone? I feel really what bad because there there was a video that perfectly did this. Uh, t- uh, Todd Krennic from D and D Beyond was interviewing someone. And I can't remember his name. I've seen him before and I I like him. I just can't remember his name is. Um, I'll try and retweet it. But essentially, like someone like he asked him like, how do you describe D and D? And he said. To essentially, I'm, don't don't quote me on this, but if it came down to when somebody asked me that, I and I would kind of do the same thing. Like if you said, "What is D and D?" I'd be like, "Okay, you are a rogue. You are in a dark, misty forest, and you're trying to get away because you've stolen something. Mm. You hear a twig snap in the distance. What do you do?" Oh, so you role play with them immediately? Just um, just ask them that question. Like, Ali, yeah. what would you do? I'd turn around and see who it is. All right, yeah. that you made a decision. That's role playing. Yep. That and I feel like that is a really good explanation. It's like it's that plus some dice and some combat. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that was an amazing way to describe it because that instead of it being like this is a role playing game with a bunch of mechanics and everything, it boils it down to this is choose your own adventure, but with conversation. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. think that would be a really good way to do it. To uh, And like, at, you could do that at the table at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So like someone's like, oh, what is this D&D stuff? You just give them that example. Yeah. Because that is a great way for it to just click like yeah. immediately. And pretty much anyone can understand that. Because a lot of people, especially like in older generations, have read the the adventure books. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the choose your own adventure yeah. ones. And that's, that is what I have described it to people before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's basically like playing a choose your own adventure book. Yeah. Um, something that I always bring up. Except you can't have your thumb on that page. Yeah, you can't, you can't yeah, go back. No, no, no. It's just like, oh no, Bowser got me. Oh no. <laughs> um, something that I always tend to mention because like I, I said, my mom was really confused about it before. She thought it was me versus them. And she thought yeah. that they were trying, and she would always say, go win D&D. And like, yeah. she would, cause she had fully expectations of the players are trying to win against me. And in a in a very, very pl- small no, way. If you're, if you're playing Descent from Fantasy Flight, yeah. that's true. If yeah. you're playing Imperial Assault, that's true. This, no. No. Uh, so I like to describe it as you're getting together with a group of friends, or in this case, your family, and you're telling a story. Mm-hmm. And the story happens to be told through the medium of D&D. Yeah. Um, and so you're working together to tell this story. You're not working against each other. And so that's kind of what I like to put emphasis on and what I think a lot of families enjoy the concept of it too. Mm-hmm. And so I guess to wrap it up, I, I, I would full heartedly recommend asking your family, would you guys be interested in doing this? Do it. Mm-hmm. I say that having not done it except for my nephews, but do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, speak, speaking of Thanksgiving, I thought we'd do a little special topic here. Yeah. It's corny as hell. Yes. Just like the food you might find at hey. the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> uh, what we are thankful for in D&D. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the world to be thankful for, but I thought specifically it's D&D podcast. We can talk about D&D shit here. Yeah. But the number, number one thing we wanted to get out of the way first 
is we are thankful for every single one of you that is listening. Oh my God. Yeah. Really thankful for you guys. If our voices are going into your ears right now, thank you. It's been a trip. Like, <laughs> we got an email recently and someone said, like, thank you for what you do for this community. Yeah. That, that straight was a, up nearly brought me to tears. And that I was, was a like, trip. <laughs> I, I was like, did he, did he send it to the right person? <laughs> we are so thankful that you guys listen to us, you know, ramble about D&D. <laughs> you, you, you like us on a Twitter post. Thank you. Yeah. You, you sent us an email. Thank you. Just whatever. You interact with us. You're awesome. Even if you don't, you just listen. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I guess, what, what, are, what are you thankful for regarding with D&D, Trevor? Like... I, 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 it's, it's weird. Like I'm thankful that I got so many people that are like gung ho about playing D and D. Like, and I know that that is something not everyone can say. Yeah. And that's why, like, I don't take that for granted. Yes, I will complain sometimes. I'm like, oh, I've got too many people that want to be in this game. <laughs> but like, that is a first world problem sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it, it is. It's like, oh, I've got, oh, I've got too many friends that want to play with me. Oh no. <laughs> um. But no, like, I every time I have to tell someone. That I don't have any enough room. Like I told them, like I know you want to be this game. I want you in this game. I just don't have the room for it. But I I want to find something for you and I mm-hmm. to do. And so I I the fact that I have this many people that want to play and that like playing with me. I'm so I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. What about you? So uh, to sum it up, being an adult is hard. Uh, having friends as an adult is even harder. Real quick, uh, I had a kid ask me one time, what's it like being an adult? And I said, it's like being tired all the time. <laughs> I mean, true facts. <laughs> but, uh, you know, being being an adult and having friends is a really difficult thing. And I, I mean, at least for, for me, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I'm the kind of person where if I'm not on a regular contact with you, like face to face, I kind of just drop off and that's, you know, big apologies to my friends out there. (laughs) Um, but I'm also the same person where if we don't see each other for a year, I pick up right where we left off. Yeah. So that's personally not a problem, it's like but... That, it's like that John Mulaney joke. It's like, <laughs> once you get in your 30s, you cannot see friends for eight years and it doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm really thankful for D&D giving me a uh, sort of almost like port to come back to every week to see these friends. A and, regular group of friends to see every week. Yeah. And like in these like six people that I have, they're honestly probably they're my friends for life mm-hmm. and one of them just moved recently and i'm still seeing him yeah you still skype week. him in yeah yeah and it's such a beautiful thing to be able to do that and i know without that the motivation to do that i wouldn't have it in me to go out of my way in a weird way um to keep up that connection but with D, it allows me to effortlessly yeah well um like on my skype game i've got two people that moved and Mm -hmm. we've stayed in more contact than we had the you know other times they weren't in Mm -hmm. town and because we play D &D every week yeah (coughs) and like i kind of mentioned it before but i'm thankful for D D for i have a wonderful boyfriend (laughs) going on four years now that i met through all playing games like that's right um just recently we actually watched because marcos had recorded those videos way back when, when we were doing the Dresden Files. And it was like the first time that I ever met Spencer. Oh my God. And it's there and I could see that moment. So cringy. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's super cute. He has no beard. It's amazing. Whoa, I don't want to see it. (laughs) Spencer, never not have a beard. Stop it. (laughs) Photoshop a beard on you at all times. And I'm just so thankful that we were able to keep up that weekly just meetups. That way I can get to know him and just like really fall in love with this guy. And like it's really cheesy, but it's totally true. So corny. I know. <laughs> um, like there's also the bookstore. I am so beyond oh, grateful yeah, for yeah. that because even today I have... A, a new kid that's going to join us next year. That's awesome. Um, I was just talking to him about Stranger Things, and I got onto the subject, like, do you like D&D? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, did you know we play here? I'm one of the DMs, and he's, like, looking at me so amazed and, like, excited. <laughs> and, I, like, I ask him if he's interested, and he's like, yeah. And he's like, starts talking to me about how much he wants to play and how, like, thinking about this gives us the opportunity to show these kids, like, a really awesome, like, fun two and a half hours or yeah. so. 
And it gives them a chance to really like be social with other kids that they probably would never even talk to normally. Yeah, it is it is not lost on me that like having a job of playing TNT is freaking awesome and rare. Yeah. And yeah, no, I'm totally thankful that we got that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful that I can, that, like, we can almost in a weird way provide that for the community here, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's kind of tooting our own horn, but hey, you know, I'm grateful that the kids have this opportunity. Yeah. Because that wasn't necessarily us, but that we have this chance to give that to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough corniness until Christmas. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was our special holiday show for this week. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your surface of choice as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and on Instagram at difficultypodcast. So until next week, don't get killed by an adorable badger.